This is The New Digital Customer, a podcast that brings you insightful and inspiring conversations with customer-focused leaders who are transforming and innovating customer experience. And now your hosts, the CEO of Brightloom, Adam Brotman, and Chief Product Officer, Ben Straley. Hey, everybody. This is Ben. And this is Adam. Hey, uh, today we're going to do something a little bit different. As we near the end of 2020, Adam, you and I were talking about some of the trends and, and predictions for the upcoming year. We feel like, you know, 2021 is going to be a huge year for consumer brands, um, not to mention just all of humanity um, uh, because of the, the recent uh, uh, news around the, the U.S. elections and also, of course, um, the, the start of the rollout of the um, coronavirus uh, vaccine. Um, lots, of, lots of change on the horizon uh, with big implications for uh, consumer brands in the coming year. So we, uh, we wanted to talk about sort of three key predictions or trends that we're expecting to see in 2021 uh, on, this, uh, on this episode, starting with um, the new normal. Uh, and the fact that it might not be so new after all. Um, and we'll get into exactly what that means or may mean for uh, consumers and for brands in 2021. Uh, number two is the rise of uh, recurring revenue models. I'm seeing this everywhere, even among, uh, among businesses that you would never think um, would be uh, getting into the subscription uh, game or, or rolling out recurring models. But um, it really does appear to be the beginning of a pretty significant trend. And then number three, um, another uh, big wave uh, uh, emerging and uh, cresting in 2021 of digital-only businesses. Um, so, Adam, let's uh, let's start with number one, the new normal and how it might not be so new. Yeah, you know, it's, um, it's going to be super interesting to see in 2021 what happens when people can start, I'm particularly going to talk about restaurants as a consumer brand, but I, this applies mm -hmm. to retail as well. When they can start to have customers and transactions that go back to, uh, you know, human beings being indoors next to one another. And that is, um, or even outdoors nowadays next to one another. So it's like when that happens, all of these behaviors uh, all these new habits that have been developed that are around digital transactions, you know, what, what's going to happen? Like what's going to stick, what's not going to stick. Um, th that's, that's, that's going to be so interesting. And I, I think it's also worth mentioning, like you've got, um, there's entire like infrastructure around this. That's going to be interesting. So today it's interesting. Today is the day mm -hmm. that DoorDash went public. Yep. Um, uh, they, <laughs> I think they're valued at $70 billion as of right now. It was 40 billion when the day started. Uh, they are an amazing, and you know, you can talk about them and Uber Eats, of course. And they, but let's just talk about DoorDash for a second and talk about this new normal. Like they, um, you know, what's gonna happen? Like restaurants are definitely going to want to reduce their reliance and are gonna have less of a reliance on DoorDash as the pandemic starts to quote unquote come to an end, but customers, I predict, so I'm going to start to use the prediction point here. I predict, and I, I think you agree, uh, that customers are not going to just go back 
and, and forget about their habits about, you know, ordering online and, and ordering ahead, they will, I, now that's not to say that customers, in my prediction, I, I think customers will come flocking back to eating at restaurants inside of restaurants. In fact, I think it's going to be a golden era for restaurants because I feel, and this is probably true of a lot of consumer brands, not just restaurants, but this play this out with me. But I think that, and I, I know I'm on one of them, people are going to want so badly to go into restaurants and have that incredible experience of being with their friends and family and other people and the, and being served and sort of the ambiance and the sort of the emotional energy that comes with being at a great restaurant. Um, and that is, um, there's just going to be a huge resurgence of that. I think that these restaurants that have developed these muscles with their customers around ordering online and developing loyalty programs and doing personalized marketing and all these things, like I just, they're not going to go away. So like, you know, and we were, remember before the pandemic hit, we were, we were, crossing this weird threshold where more restaurant business was consumed off premise to, in fact, it's funny, 2021 was going to be the crossover year. If you remember, it was like, mm -hmm. it was just about to hit more than 50% right. of restaurant business was going to be off premise and takeout. And, you know, and then of course it, this like went way over 50% um, because yeah. of the pandemic, but it was already heading in that direction. And now these got these new muscles, but then there's going to be this desire for people to come in. So I think, my prediction is golden era for restaurants starts in 2021 because they're going to have the best of both worlds. Um, we know that when you use digital, it's additive. It's not mm -hmm. a zero sum game. And I just think that, that that's, that's my first prediction of the show. I think that's a good one. I think just building on that a little bit, um, the uh, ability or opportunity for brands to leverage uh, digital to uh, facilitate a more personalized experience and greater convenience will only accelerate or increase in importance. Um, so, so brands that have established relationships with consumers and customers through mobile apps, through, through web, through other emerging digital channels are going to only see the, the benefits of those investments uh, grow in yep. 2021 and beyond. At the same time, this this incredible unmet need uh, of social connection and you talked about you know the experience of being able to go to a restaurant but just in general for uh, humanity to feel comfortable being out in the world again um is something that is going to come back uh in force and in ways that um should be anticipated but are difficult to predict um going to concerts, going to sporting events, um, coffee shops, being a place to, to hang out, parties, you know, all of these, all of these moments in, in our lives that in, involve connecting with others, whether it be, you know, people in our, our families or immediate social groups, but also just in general with the public are going to, to come back fast, you know, as soon as, as soon as the, the vaccinations sort of get to reach that reach that tipping point, and so I think it's I think it's interesting. On the one hand, um, what digital has done in the last you know since the beginning of the pandemic is enabled a level of convenience um, heretofore never uh, realized among uh, among consumers, uh, and now the expectation of that convenience has been. 
ingrained in all of our minds. We expect to be able to order takeout from any restaurant virtually now. That right. wasn't the expectation nine months ago. That's Even right. high-end, you know, Michelin one, two, three-star restaurants in in some cases offer pickup, which is this just crazy mind-bending reality. Yes. But the expectation at a deeper level among consumers is like, now more than ever, I can just open up my phone and get pretty much anything I want yeah. same day, uh, which was not, that was not the world that we were living in uh, at the beginning of 2020. And that's the world we are living in now. And that isn't going away. No, I think that's um, right. No, that, I think you're, that's such an interesting point because it's, it's going to, so you think about it, what we talked about this acceleration we've talked about this on the show, this acceleration from the consumer, but also this acceleration of capability set by right. the restaurants and retailers out of survival. And now, and you know, a little bit like working from home and flexible work. And they, they, like, you can go through this entire theme around not just consumer brands, but just life in general. And it's yep. not going to go back to the way it was. In fact, I was, I was talking to my wife this morning about this topic, ironically, about like saying, and, and and I think this this captures this is why this is so hard to do a prediction show a little bit on this because I think we're right that it's not gonna it's not gonna go back all the way it, but but it's it's not gonna go back all the way but it's going to be um it's it's going to like flourish in certain ways that that we don't even realize and it's going to shrink in ways that we don't realize. So what I mean by that is like now everybody's got this capability that the you know you're trained up and I think you know we're going to you know curbside delivery, second make lines um whatever. I also think that you know and in people being willing to let people work remotely, okay, well that has double-edged consequences. So if you relied on office workers for your business um or you whether you're a restaurant brand or a retail brand Man, you got to be careful about 2021 and 2022 because I don't, I don't think we know. It's not, I'm not saying, oh, be careful because people aren't going to go back to offices. But we don't know the level that they're going to go back to offices. And we don't know yeah. the level of the consistency of the traffic patterns anymore, which is so important in retail and restaurants. So I think, I think it's interesting when we talk about a prediction show to talk about how hard it is to predict certain things because other things are going to shrink a little bit. They're not going to go back. They're not going to go back to normal. So, boy, that's not always a positive. That can be a positive. If you're no. kind of a digital folks like we are. But if you were sort of waiting for it to go back to normal or whatever, you got to be careful. Yeah, I, I think that that is right. And, um, you know, the the uh, one of the things that's happening now that's just really uh, tragic is the loss of all of those or many small businesses, um, not just restaurants, but, you know, small retail uh, businesses because they just the the foot traffic has dried up and um, either they didn't uh, have the the digital capabilities at the time or they just don't have the scale to um, remain viable when it is uh, all you know purely purely um, uh, digital uh, transactions whether delivery or or pickup um, there's just not enough business there for a lot of the mom and pops and so what are the implications of that for you know, like you were saying, Adam, urban cores and, and locations, and there are going to be certain locations yeah. that in the old world were very hot and high, high volume. And just, that's not necessarily going to come back. Right. I think that the other thing just to add to that, that is, um, 
Uh, also interesting to, to consider is um, going back to some of these new behaviors. I'll just give you a quick example um, where I was looking for a particular uh, product um, at Home Depot and uh, I couldn't find it. And so I opened my phone and I opened the Home Depot app. And I searched, but the way that I was searching was was new and was different. And what I was doing a search of was was essentially inventory availability within a ten mile radius of where I was, um, mm-hmm. because I was willing to to go drive across town to go to the other Home Depot to get the thing that I I went there to look for. And so it just made me realize that that so to your point about like these new behaviors and things that are hard to predict a year ago, the thought that I would, I would do that. It, it, it would have been inconceivable to me. Um, yeah. but now given how much of our lives or my life anyway, is being lived through my phone for practical reasons, suddenly there are all of these new features and capabilities that, that are becoming really important and meaningful that, um, I had yeah. never even noticed before. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. Like right now, I've got all this background noise in my house uh, during a <laughs> podcast, and and the but you know I'm going to bring it into the show here for a second because I think it's exactly what we're talking about, which is that like you know I'm not going to stop recording with you guys because you know it, in January of 2020 I would have uh, yeah. in December of 2020 I'm I'm like come on you know uh, Dana Bash was on CNN her dog was yipping and she was getting Anderson or uh, whoever was giving her a hard time meaning like that's just the new normal. And you're talking about, you're searching, think, you know, you're thinking about inventory availability, you know, we're, you know, it, it's, it's fascinating because that's, let's, let's, and this can maybe be a good segue to our second theme a little bit, because what I'm getting at is that the, okay, so what, like there's going to be that we know there's gonna be this new normal and it's going to like, we're saying the new normal is a bunch of this stuff's going to stick, not all of it. Everyone's, you know, we're still humans. We still want the same things, but we, but our, but all these consumer brands develop these new muscles and, and consumers develop these new habits and like, wow, that's going to be a new equilibrium. So what's that going to look like? Well, if you're, if that's both a challenge and an opportunity, and and I'm going to call it an opportunity for everybody, but it's a challenge and an opportunity for everybody. And what I mean by that for like these, the second thing you, you mentioned is the rise of the recurring revenue business model. Yep. As another theme to talk about as a prediction. And I, and why, wh- why is that happening? Like, for example, Amazon, I think on this topic, Amazon is the absolute father and mother of this topic because like Amazon Prime to me is the best recurring revenue business I've ever seen in my life um, outside of maybe the Starbucks auto reload uh, on the Starbucks card, but like the, the Amazon prime, the reason that it's such a great recurring revenue business. And I'm, I'm being kind of tongue in cheek, like obviously Netflix and your cable bill is the ultimate recurring revenue business model, but the new, maybe we should call it the new recurring revenue business model is one that kind of borrows off of the Amazon approach, which is, Hey, what can I do? What's one thing I'm offering that's important to my customers that, I could get a recurring revenue model off of, but I'm actually, that's not the point. The point is I'm trying to like have it be like a form of loyalty and a form of, of attach with the customer. And in this day and age, like with the, with the new, the new normal, 
Like it opens the door for that because you're not going to do a recurring revenue model without digital tools. Right. You're not. So if you as a, you know, and think about all these businesses, like we, you know, Ben, you and I were talking to a small business today earlier that um, is experimenting with uh, a subscription uh, coffee idea that by the way, we saw Panera do Panera did a subscription right. coffee idea. And it's like, um, but meaning like, it's, it's a form of loyalty to say, Hey, just like when you, when you had to, when you reloaded your Starbucks card ahead of time, um, it was a form of loyalty because, you know, you prepaid or you were invested and now I want to get my money's worth out of that thing. So it's, I think that's, you know, bundling or, or recurring, recurring revenue models are something every business can think of. And if they're being hurt by the new normal, they should be thinking now about like, how can they take advantage of their customer relationship? in order to offer some sort of a subscription so that they can get out ahead of potentially being hurt by changes in traffic patterns, but not, not changes in customer affinity, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. And I think, I mean, let's talk a little bit about why, what is so good about recurring revenue models. I mean, it, it, it may, they're recurring, you know, be, be (laughs) obvious, but yeah, they're recurring, but why that is good is that, it is a level of predictability and you remove a ton of risk from, from the business. Right. Um, and, right. and they're a form of, you know, they're a form of, of loyalty programs in essence. Yeah. And, and, you know, the other, the other um, factor here is the availability of uh, basically cheap money. Um, so brands, particularly brands that are at scale can, can subsidize um the the fees and the the structures that a lot of these brands are now experimenting with to engender a recurring revenue model. So, for example, um, Apple just announced the new uh, the new AirPods, the new over the year AirPods, and they're like five hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah, um, I, but the way yeah, but but the, here's the interesting thing: the way that they are selling the that product is yeah. either it's a one time fee of $540 or you can pay per month $91, I think. Yeah, I saw that. Example. Yeah. And so they're effectively extending credit to yes. their customers um, uh, and then charging them a, a fixed amount per month until the, the products are paid off. That is a form yeah. of basically a recurring revenue model where Apple, because of their size and scale, they're able to finance these transactions and establish Yes, a new method of of payment. So for customers that wouldn't have been able to or or comfortable spending the five hundred and fifty dollars, they are comfortable spending ninety one dollars a month with Apple. And then you layer on top of that, you know, the plan for Apple Music and and Apple Plus and all these things. All of these big brands in particular are experimenting with. And then at the other end of the size continuum, the company that you mentioned that we talked to this morning, this know 10 15 shop uh chain of of uh coffee shops um also experimenting with effectively like a prime like yeah uh, program where you can pay once and get unlimited uh coffee um yeah really interesting it is really interesting i i actually am glad you brought the the example of the the new air pods or whatever those things are i I gotta study those things i'm probably gonna go get one but the 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 because I I'm on the Apple iPhone uh, upgrade 
service plan or whatever you call it. So I pay a monthly fee. I like when I, at some yeah. point I just start, I pay like 40 bucks a month or 30 bucks a month or whatever it is. And I, I pay it. And then like every year I'm allowed to like turn my phone in and get a new iPhone yeah. and I pay basically the same amount of money. So yeah, to your point, I basically, it turned it into a recurring revenue. What's interesting about that is that like, just like the coffee subscription or Amazon prime or whatever, there is an element, even in the Amazon prime case or in the subscription Panera subscription or whatever, they're kind of subsidizing, meaning in theory, the That's reason the you would cost. Yeah. The reason you would do it as a consumer is you must feel it's better than what you would spend otherwise. So you must be getting a discount or a subsidy in exchange for some convenience or other benefit, other benefit that you're getting. Amazon prime. It's like, I, you know, I always get the free shipping. I don't have to think about it. So like, I, anyways, this is, it's a, it's a prediction that we're both making that this is we're going to see a lot of this. We're going to see a lot yeah. of businesses bundling and and subsidizing and coming up. What will ultimately look like, like subscriptions, but they're going to be a form of loyalty and they're going to be a form of, of stickiness that, um, that, that in this digital world they can finally do because it all rests on having an account. It all rests on a digital relationship. I've got that now. What else can I do to leverage that? Yeah, I mean, you know, and the math is is pretty simple at a high level, and that is that the ROI on retaining your existing customers is greater than the ROI on acquiring a bunch of uh, customers that are going to be one and done. Uh, yes. And so investing investing in those, re- in those relationships, establishing a recurring uh, model with those relationships. Um, yeah, is the is the path to scale essentially, and then getting really good at figuring out like what do your best customers look like, and then going out and investing more surgically in uh, uh, finding more of those customers and acquiring them and turning those into recurring relationships as well. Yeah, it's interesting because on this rise of the new recurring revenue business, you know, the other examples that are out there and they've been out there for a while are, um, uh, I believe, Lyft. And Uber, I believe, yeah. still offer that. They did at one point. Maybe they still do. I don't know if that was an experiment or not. I, and then I know that DoorDash has a Dash Pass, and they call it. So, like, meaning these these you know really important kind of rising stars in the digital world, like Uber and and the, DoorDash, they they're they're kind of doing the same thing. They're like doing the math of like, you know, they're these pure play digital relationship companies, right? And they're like, yeah. I, I gotta, I can, there's there is surface area to create a new recurring revenue business here. Um, and then, you know, what, what can I do to build off of that? Well, yeah. And the, the thing that I love, I, I really do love about this as a, as a customer is um, in exchange for identifying myself and giving the, the brand permission to communicate with me. I know that as part of this recurring model, I'm going to get a level of, kind of personalization and acknowledgement of the time and the money that I spent spend with the brand is going to come back to me in the form of a better experience um, in a, in a wide variety of, in a wide variety of ways. Like that is the opportunity. That is what is appealing or attractive about being a consumer um, who's participating in these, in these models when they work, when they're done correctly, when the brands are actually getting the data that that each interaction is generating and doing something with it to improve the experience. That's the it it can be truly fantastic as a customer, um, provided that's what 
you know, brands are seizing that opportunity. Yeah. You know, it's funny because the other example we've talked about is a firm. I mean, you mentioned it a second ago. You know, Apple is essentially establishing all these companies. Anybody yeah. that's going to do a new recurring revenue model is offering credit to their customers, which, by the way, like, you know, these companies, there's companies that literally provide this this service for retailers to offer to their customers, like a that's firm. Right. We bought a Peloton um, which I, I have to say, I'll go on the record and say this. I love Peloton, but they, we ordered this Peloton back in, I'm sure I'm like one of a million people, but we, you know, we were like, oh great, we can do payments to get this Peloton. So it's like 70 bucks a month until it's paid off or whatever it is. And it was through a firm and we ordered it back in, um, uh, whenever it was in the summer. So call it August. And they said, you can have it in December. And we were like, oh my God, yeah. you got to Okay, December rolls around. They canceled our order and said, "No, we just don't. We just don't." I mean, they didn't cancel, but they said, "You need to wait another couple of months." And we we're like, yeah. "This is crazy." So, I mean, that just shows how many people are ordering Pelotons, I guess, or their shortage of supply. But, but I will tell you, like, it was a no-brainer. Just like your AirPod, your new AirPod thing. Like, once they offered through a firm the ability to um, make it, you know, make payments on it, we jumped on it. And I, I think that that's, um, you know, that. It, it, the, you mentioned that it's a form of extending credit, even if it's not literally the case, like in the case of in a firm to buy a Peloton, it's in the case of a subscription coffee or a Amazon prime or the, you know, whatever the Apple one, like you can, you can do these things. It's sometimes it's not actually literally extending credit, but you know, any business can do that, right? Like any business in yeah. theory, like can, can, and I think you you were talking to me about this the other day, Ben. You're like, you know, I think a lot of businesses, you were saying, I think it was a great prediction. Uh, maybe you can expand on it a little bit. Like th th they could basically say, listen, you know, sh do your Christmas shopping, do your holiday shopping and uh, with us right now. And you can pay us at the end of the month or whatever. Like that's just a really simple idea that not a lot of retailers do. And maybe it becomes, you know, in exchange for being a part of a membership of something or like you can kind of bundle it in, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's funny. It's one of those things where it, it's new, but it's not really, it's like the department layaway. store credit card, yeah. right? Yeah, it's like, or the, layaway. yeah, it's layaway. It's department store credit card. It's the yeah. same, it's the same, the, you know, the math is the math. It's the same idea. It's just doing that with, um, the benefit of these digital platforms, the immediacy of the, the, um, communication channels, the abilities to respond in near real time to, to your customers. There are a whole bunch of things that exist today that yeah. just didn't exist 20, 30 years ago or don't exist in cases of like layaway. So from a financing perspective, it's essentially the same instrument, but you're just, yeah. you're just surrounding it with all of this additional data and information about the, the customer. And digital relationships, and, yeah, 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 and and investing in the in those relationships, and so ultimately, you're just making a bet as a brand that um, I can extend terms, payment terms yeah. to this customer, yeah, in exchange for the right to uh, promote and and sell other things, and or just engender a, a greater sense of loyalty. That means they're gonna they're gonna come back more frequently. Yeah, totally. Because like it starts to get into the area of like. I think I read yesterday that Stripe is getting into the business like Square is of extending capital to small businesses that yes, are using their service. Exactly. And they have that data. And so any, but to your point, you think about it, they're just a, a nuclearized version of what every consumer brand has, which is 
a digital relationship, maybe with a credit card on file or a payment type on file Mm -hmm. and data. And if you have those things, you have the same ingredients as these big companies to do things like say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to like, you know, you can take this thing out of my store today and I'll charge you at the end of the month because I have your credit card and I know who you are. That's right. You don't need, you don't need Experian to tell you if, you know, Adam Brotman is a credit risk or not. You just (laughs) look at what Adam Brotman has bought and paid for in the past and have an algorithm that tells you. Yeah. And most Um, of them will tell you I'm a huge credit risk. (laughs) That's a, that's a totally different subject. Um, So, so no, I think this is really interesting in terms of that. I mean, maybe we should segue to our third topic here, um, which is like, you know, another wave of digital only businesses, are they coming? Right. And I, um, you know, I was thinking about this topic this morning, uh, because of the DoorDash IPO, uh, and, you know, I get, you know, it's so funny. I'm, I'm like so many people that probably listen to this podcast and I know like you, Ben, like I just get all excited sometimes when I think about like the potential for the digital only business. And so the, in the kind of one of the ultimate digital only businesses, I mean, they're obviously the, the classic digital only business is like a direct to consumer e-commerce company, like away or Casper or, you know, whatever, but the, um, you know, the, the, but these, the idea of like a, talk for a second about ghost kitchens. Um, and you know, you can, I think you call them virtual kitchens or ghost kitchens. Like, that is super interesting to me to think about like there are going to be a lot of those i think in 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 this prediction show in 2021 and here's why i say that um more than just the obvious like oh yeah you can do them and you know whatever because when when the pandemic starts to close off and we get people can come back into restaurants like i think this is we're going to do a whole separate bonus podcast on this topic of the third-party delivery companies. But let's just sort of tease it out here for a second. If you're a restaurant, I don't care. I don't care who you are. You're not happy about the fees you pay to DoorDash and Uber Eats. And I and maybe there's the occasional one that literally doesn't mind at all, and they just love the incrementality and all that kind of stuff. And I'm sure there are. Those fees are huge, right? And the in the typical restaurant owner has feels like they have a, not a lot of choice right now, but to pay them um, part, not just because of the pandemic before the pandemic, it was because they didn't have the ability to figure it out on their own in some way. They were still figuring out digital. Then the pandemic comes, they really needed the volume to leverage uh, fixed costs and, you know, stay alive. Um, but when business, and I predict this, when business starts flooding back to restaurants, um, there you're going to see the you're going to immediately see a bunch of restaurants say i don't want to pay those fees now how that plays out i'm not sure because i think the restaurants also love the white label delivery service that these guys offer and they do a great job at it i'm talking about the dispatch service or whatever you call it the and so those are great services that doordash and uber i don't think uber eats offers it yet i think postmates does another part of uber and so like so maybe that's what happens is that that business just flows to the white label side and it's fine. But my point is there's going to be a lot less business, I think, there for these third party apps when people, when the, when the restaurants aren't relying on it. And dare I say, maybe a little bit like ticked off. And, um, and if that happens mm-hmm. now, if that happens now, I'm making a prediction. You think there's going to be some blowback there? I do. Now I, I'm not, I'm, I'm trying to be, kind of politically correct here a little bit, like meaning like, look, I feel, I, 
I feel like there's going to be some of that. I feel like let's get, here's what's going to happen. My prediction is restaurants are going to raise their prices on those platforms because they don't, they're not going to be like, whatever. I don't like, I, I'm not happy about these fees. I don't need the delivery business anymore as much as I did. Or maybe they're leaning into for, uh, doing their own delivery, even if they're using DoorDash or Uber Eats. And they're going to start raising those prices and saying, I, I'm, I'm, you know, it's going to become even more expensive. And all of this is going to become a vicious circle to bring volume down, I believe. I don't know, but I believe. Or at least there's going to be a lot of pressure and a lot of stuff happening there. Now, let me say, DoorDash and Uber Eats are amongst the smartest, most capable companies I've ever seen in my life. And, and they have all this customer data. They have all these logistics things they've figured out. They've got all these restaurants on their system. Like, if there's any brands that are going to be able to figure out how to like adjust to this new normal and Frank, maybe even take advantage of it, it's probably them. So I wouldn't be betting against them. I'm just saying my prediction is there will be price increases on the platform because brands will not feel like they can't do that or else they're going to die. And they're going to be a little bit upset about these fees and they're going to be leaning into first party. And if there's going to be this pressure that potentially could bring volumes down, I think what that's going to do is it's going to get, and, and here's and here's the kicker where I'm going with this. All these restaurants, they were virtual kitchens. I mean, think about what I just said. They became virtual kitchens on the DoorDash and Uber Eats platform themselves because they leaned into something they would not normally have leaned into. And I think we, remember we were hearing all about these virtual kitchens? Yeah. Like they were like every day. And then when the pandemic hit, you haven't heard very much about them. Now, maybe right. I'm just not paying attention, but I think it's because guess what? every restaurant became a virtual kitchen, so to speak. Right. And, and that's did that. Now that I think what's going to happen is we're going to go back to hearing about a lot of virtual kitchens. And if I'm DoorDash New Breeds, I've got all these customers. I know all the stuff about them. You want to open up a virtual kitchen, man, what a great platform. What a great time to do it mm -hmm. in 2021 when your competition from other restaurants is going to go down because they're going to go back to having people coming in and those restaurants are going to be pushing back on those third-party apps. And so I, my prediction in this prediction show is that there's like the, there's going to be a reemergence of the, the virtual kitchen, the digital only kitchen. And it's going to be super interesting to see like how that plays out with the rest of the restaurant industry, how that plays out with DoorDash and Uber Eats. Yeah, I think, I think that's right. I think, um, you know, the other thought that, uh, leads me to is just for, for customer or consumer need states that are driven mainly by the, the desire for convenience. Um, where that that intersection is between that customer need state, you know, I need something now. Where can I? Where's the easiest, fastest place to get it from? Where that meets, you know, the 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 type of restaurant, let's say, or retailer um, that caters to convenience. That's where I think there will continue to be a real. Uh, exposure to this this risk of like margin erosion or cannibalization of you know your your foot traffic with these delivery services right that, that erode margin in other words like that's really what they cater to is convenience to some degree selection but it's mainly convenience right. um, for customers yeah totally right and then there's a whole class of retailers and, and businesses out there that differentiate on quality or experience or you know any number of other vectors that I think you're 100% right. They're doing it now because they have to. Right. Um, and they are largely dependent on this traffic because there is no foot traffic. But as, as we start to live our lives 
uh, out in public again and and get comfortable congregating in in indoor spaces um, or in outdoor spaces close together. Those businesses that offer something above and beyond convenience yeah. are going to be they're not going to be so dependent. And 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 the interesting thing about that is that these third party delivery services count on that as a as a way of differentiating the selection that they're providing again compared to others like it's going to be a very different thing if you log into you know DoorDash or Uber Eats and it's a collection of restaurants you've never heard of combined with like McDonald's and Wendy's and Burger King and Taco Bell um yeah there's a whole other you know landscape of of businesses that will exist and really start to thrive I think that that are less dependent on catering to that particular need state of convenience and deliver something better, more interesting, a, a true kind of complete experience that, yep. that also I think is going to come back fast um, and big and in ways that we're not even really able to predict. Yeah. And you, in, and on the same topic, and I know we're running low on time here on this podcast, but let, let's just, talk about one other thing and then kind of wrap it up, which is the um, retailer. So, so not, yeah. not food, but like just retail. Like I, I, you know, I actually also think that that is, you're going to see a resurgence in that as well in terms of, you know, a lot, you know, it's not that it went away like the ghost kitchens did, but like the, the, the direct to consumer e-commerce company, I think is going to be another big thing because Again, what the the trends that we're talking about here, this new normal, is that the consumer at this point, like, I mean, you go, <laughs> I mean, I mean, look at the number of boxes on everybody's porch right now. Like, it's yeah. just, it, it, you're just, we've even all of us that were already ordering a lot of e-commerce, you just are like, I don't even go to the store for anything unless I have to or you know whatever, and um, and so it. And the, and the tools that these retailers have, like I mentioned, it's not just a consumer. Like if you want to start a direct-to-consumer e-commerce business today, subscription or otherwise, like, man, it's pretty slick what you can do right now. Like compared to, I'm dating myself, but like compared to five years ago or six years ago, like, it, you you know, you can, you can put together a pretty slick direct-to-consumer e-commerce offering right now and, you know all these tools are there, the customer's primed for it. So, you know, I, I guess what I'd say in my prediction on this is that, um, we're, we're going to enter into this really interesting era because we haven't even seen it yet of like, what did it mean for all this acceleration to occur both on the, on the consumer brand side and the, and the consumer side. And, and then the virus, you know, gets under control hopefully. And we, um, you know, from an economic perspective, from a customer experience perspective, like my guess is that again, there's going to be a bit of a golden age going on because you've got like, I, I don't think it's going to be actually the, um, I don't, I don't think it's going to be like a DoorDash and Uber Eats is going to fail. I think they're going to be no. fine. I think they're going to do great. I don't think it's because of the things that got them here though. I think they've built right. a capability set just like everybody else, right? That's combined. And now all of a sudden, like you just said, it Ben, like every consumer brand can find that right mixture of how they're building and that they just couldn't do it even close. And we're talking about earlier this year, they couldn't do it. Yeah. And by this time next year, 
they're going to be able to like, hey, if I want to raise my prices and have DoorDash, I can do that. I can, I've got my first party digital. I've got people coming into my restaurant. Like they're going to, you know, it's just restaurants and retailers and consumer brands are, I, I think, I'm not trying to just be super optimistic. I think I don't. I think we're about to see something remarkable in the next, you know, year. I do too. I do too. I think um, you know we just need to get the the vaccines rolling out and get uh, get the community spread under control between now and then. Um, and then I think uh, there are going to be some really uh, encouraging and positive uh, uh, changes that start to to emerge. Um, as we head into uh, the second half of 2021. Um, so just to recap really quickly, uh, three, three predictions um, that we talked about today, Adam, uh, the new normal, uh, how it's going to be some combination of the very familiar and uh, brand new unexpected um, uh, models and, and behaviors uh, among consumers. Number two, uh, the rise of recurring revenue businesses um, just across the board in, in industries and verticals that um, uh, will surprise us. Uh, and number three is another wave of uh, digital peer plays um, that uh, fill in the gaps uh, and, and create uh, large businesses out of, uh, out of what seem to be niches, niches at the beginning. Um, last thing I will say uh, is that, Adam, you are the Dana Bash of the new digital, pod, new digital <laughs> customer podcast. I should, I should be so lucky. Uh, <laughs> I'm a big fan. I, I do want to say just in wrapping up also in all seriousness that, um, you know, we're talking about all these predictions. We're talking about what's going to happen next year. That's been the theme. So we've been pretty optimistic, but in the meantime, we are, um, you know, we're going through a really tough time uh, in, in all of our communities right now. Uh, record numbers of, deaths and hospitalization and cases and, you know, food lines that are longer than they've ever been yeah. uncertainty and, and stress at levels that we've never seen before. And so, you know, while, while, we, and, I, and Ben, you and I talk about this all the time, we talk about with our company that, you know, that's the number one thing on our mind right now. And while this was a prediction show, um, our hearts, you know, frankly, we're, we're, in, we're no different of a situation. We're just as stressed and we're just as, uh, worried um, as a lot of people are, and, and we're and we're conscientious of it. So I just want to say that I want to put in a word to say that's the most important thing. Before we get to some great rosy scenario, we got to go. We got to get through this very tough time. Uh, and I'm and I my I personally, and I think I speak for you and and everyone at Brightloom. You know, we're we 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 have pretty heavy hearts right now, and we're pretty serious about what's going on. And you know, we want everybody to please take care of themselves and take care of their community and just, you know, be careful out there and, and let's, um, you know, let's get to this better time. But in the meantime, you know, we got a lot of hard, hard days ahead of us in the, in the immediate future. That's right. Well said. Well, that is our show for today. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned for the next episode when we dig into more topics for consumer focused leaders until then take care and stay safe. Thanks so much for listening to the show. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For more information on what Adam and Ben are building with their teams, visit brightloom.com and follow them on Twitter at Adam Brotman and at B Straley.